Eagle Nation. You're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. All right, Eagle Nation, Gotta Talk is back um, after uh, you know another week, another loss um, for Georgia Southern, um, losing in a. Um, a cold and rainy uh, Saturday, right at Paulson Stadium, twenty-eight to eight against um, nationally ranked Coastal Carolina. Um, we're we're not going to spend too much time talking about that game, just like <laughs> last week, um, uh, and uh, and then obviously focus on um, the uh, you know the announcement of the new coach. Um, obviously, Clay Helton's. Uh, press conference happened uh, after uh, we last recorded, so we can talk about that, talk about um, the staff that he may bring in, um, and then as far as you know, on the field goes, um, quarterback situation, um, and then what that looks like moving forward for the uh, final three games of the season, um, including this Saturday against Texas State, Cody. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, the weather wasn't the only ugly thing in that football game on Saturday. Um, hard to watch, uh, very frustrating as a fan, but at the same time, very encouraging. Um, the more that I research and the more that I think about uh, Coach Helton being our new coach going into next season. So um, I don't know. I think the, uh, it's kind of weird being a fan right now. In one sense, I'm really kind of upset and angry about how the season's been and is going, but at the same time, I'm really excited and energized about what the future is going to be in 22 and beyond yeah for sure I mean you know I think everyone um after the Georgia State loss and then now you know certainly after this loss they needed that beacon of hope right and and the more you know hearing the news of that higher then the more everyone had to kind of marinate on it and um <clears throat> learn more about Coach Helton and then hear some of the rumors maybe of like the staff that's coming in and um, see the press conference and all, all this kind of stuff. It was definitely a, uh, you know, a, a light shining through, right? Yeah, the, the, the darkness yeah. and breath of fresh air, um, in, in what's been a really difficult season. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, uh, we can, we can talk, we can start with the coaching. Um, so, uh, like I mentioned, um, obviously press conference happened, um, after we recorded, um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, thoughts on that, you know, we, um, very impressed, right. Um, mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park. I mean, yes, it's a introductory press conference, right. I mean, this guy is, uh, a proven head coach. He's, he's been around, um, you know, uh, not just as a head coach, but just as, as a coach in general for, uh, what, 25, 26 years, um, you know, certainly has a great personality. So out of all the press conferences that you're ever going to do, the introductory one should be the one that you're going to knock out of the park. Um, so, box and, checked. And, right. But, but box checked, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yes, he hasn't coached a game yet. Um, and, you know, you take that for, for both sides, right? I mean, you know, he, um, all you can really judge it on is like the hire, his resume, um, and then this press conference and what he said and then kind of the vision, right? I mean, that's all we can really judge anything on at this point. Um, and so far, I mean, A plus, right? I mean, yeah. like like two thumbs up, um, Cisco Weber style. Like <laughs> Matt and that's, Cody, two thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, Matt, two thumbs up. Um, we're, we're, we're critics now. Um, but – yeah, so I mean, it's uh, you know saying all the right things, but also being pretty transparent. I think, right? I mean, he didn't yeah, come in yeah. saying like, "Yeah, triple option, that's what we're doing." Like, that's <laughs> that's uh, he came in. We're running pro style. Like, you might see a uh, like a option play. Well, he was he was <laughs> at some point during the very, season. <laughs> that's what I liked about it. He was like, "Well, there are different options. You know, there's like the uh, right. run pass option. There's like the option read. You know, and it he was, like uh, yeah. there was ways that he was like this has evolved." Without saying that this has evolved, I like how he emphasized run pass option. He was yeah. like, "There's run pass option." You know, <laughs> I, I think that's how he said it. So, so yeah, I think I mean he gets it. You know, he he gets. I'm sure he's already been warned right about the old guard and that there are people that like aren't going to give him a chance from the start because you know they're having BBG flashbacks or Azure flashbacks or, or whatever, right? Um, Which we can but, go down the list. I mean, we're not going to, but gosh, we could do a whole podcast on why those hires didn't work and how those hires are completely different than what we got going on right now. Correct. Correct. So, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he, he did, uh, he was candid, right. Uh, about that. Yep. Um, I, uh, some people commented asking the media where you had big Frank, you had, um, Josh Aubrey both come out and say like, no, th- this wasn't scripted. He wasn't handed the questions ahead of time. I mean, he, you know, yeah, you, you script kind of your, um, introductory, uh, um, message, yeah. right. Speech, right. You have that, um, either written down or, you know, this had seemed like he just was kind of speaking more off the cuff. obviously had some of it memorized, but you know, you're, you're doing that in preparation a week or two before. I'm sure he's thinking through on, on the jet, right. Coming into Statesboro, all of this, but yeah, you don't know what questions, I mean, you, you have an idea, right. They're going to ask you like, Oh, it's a big change going from LA to Georgia. Right. Um, and, and stuff like that. And they're going to ask you about the option and the offense that you're going to run. Um, but I, yeah, I, I thought the, the question and answer portion, he knocked out of the park. Um, and, but was again, um, saying the right things, but being, candid as well being you know just uh being forthcoming about like look we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball down the field we're gonna be 60 40 we're gonna be pro style um you know to, uh, mention d'angelo williams and other backs that he's coached in the past and said look you know we've got a stable of backs here um we're gonna use them um well we're gonna have a power running game but also we're gonna throw the ball down the field um, yeah, so, and I liked how he put that if they decide to stack the box, I'm going to throw it over their heads. And if they yeah. drop back, well, we're going to run it down at the throat. I, you know, that's, I think a lot of us have been asking for that in one sense or another, I think for the past like eight years or whatever, really ever since we've moved up. Um, no, I think, I think everything that he, that he talked about was fantastic. And I think, as you said, um, candid, it wasn't, it, it didn't feel like BS. Uh, right. It felt like they were. He didn't. It, that's the that's the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, it, 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 he did. There was coach speak in there, but like there was also layers of it where it's like, yeah, I, he truly feels this way. He truly yeah. means this, right? He's actually passionate. Like I think, like he's actually fired up to be here, which kind of leads us to our next point. But uh, you know, if you have anything else to kind of say about, no, I was going to say that sometimes you feel like it's um, fake or like a snake oil salesman. You know, in some of these situations. Um, but no, that, that wasn't the case at all. And, you know, it's almost, he understood that this press conference was like his recruiting pitch to the fan base. I have, this is my first impression. First impressions are everything, whether it's, you know, job interview, um, recruiting, um, meeting the in-laws for the first time, whatever the case may be, first impressions is, is everything. So I think he understood, this is my first impression to, um, Eagle Nation, uh, donors, um, Savannah media, media. Uh, yeah. you know, even though he may have already spoke to, to Jared Benko and Tracy Ham and everybody that part of the search committee, you know, two or three times, and they, he may have already had a good rapport with all of them. That doesn't matter if you go up there and you bomb this and, you know, you instantly have a, a fan base that is kind of already weary of you or a media that's like, oh, this guy really is uh, kind of a, a butthole or whatever. No, that's not the case, and he completely just knocked all of that out of the park um, and has everybody, I think, really excited and focused now on recruiting and who his next coaches are going to be. I thought about going back and, and finding the – because someone referenced, like, Hatcher, right, on, on social media and was like, well, Hatcher knocked it all out of the park too. And, yeah, he's a likable guy. He's got the Southern drawl, you know, had the Georgia connections, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so maybe he did. I mean, and, and like, I, I should know this because I, I covered that press conference, um, working for the Georgian at the time. Actually, I, you know, I covered three while I was at school, um, <laughs> covered BVGs, covered Hatcher and then covered Munkin, you know, my senior year before graduating, never covered, um, him coaching, you know, and, uh, I was graduated by that time, but did cover his introductory press conference. Um, and I was trying to think back, I don't, <laughs> I guess I blocked BVG out of my mind. Um, I know he was out of the three by far um you know the least personable um right and and uh did not enjoy um covering the team <laughs> when he was there um for multiple reasons but you know where hatcher was always open door um we got along really well and then um munkin you know is munkin i mean he you know he's hard nose but uh but a, a nice likable guy right and, and kind of uh, tells it like it is um, so, so yeah, I almost was, um, compelled to go and find BVG's, um, 
introductory press conference if it exists anywhere out there <laughs> um and and take notes and, and compare the two uh, but i i definitely don't remember anything quite like this right where um just the the genuine excitement um uh and passion that i think uh coach helton showed um in it which yeah so br- that brings us to our next point and um you know a, a point that we didn't really make uh last week is that you know this we, we mentioned that Jared Banco kind of swung for the fences with his hire um and and doing it when he did you know getting in arguably the biggest name you know that frankly has ever come here and I know we said that last uh week and and we preferenced it with Irk and all of that but I mean you know Irk wasn't necessarily a national household name um you know certainly in the SEC circles in the southeast and in Georgia um where Clay Helton is right um and not really necessarily comparing resumes or comparing coaching styles or projections of success or anything like that but just based on like splash hire might be the biggest we've ever gotten, right? Um, yeah. And and you know him coming in mid season like he did, huge for recruiting. Um, you know, kind of unprecedented there. But you know, we needed that. Like I said, right? We needed that spark. Um, in in what's been a difficult year, Clay Helton did it right. He he didn't need. He you know had been out of a job for just six weeks, right? He was spending time with family. He's got a son, uh, you know, youngest son playing high school football, right, going into the playoffs and stuff in California. Um, he had, you know, $10 million, right, there sitting on the table from USC um, in the buyout. He could have taken a year off, um, went in and uh, did commentary for anybody, right, in college football. He's mm-hmm. definitely got that personality. He would have been fine doing that for a year or two, taking a break, spending more time with family. He also could have just waited until the the, the season ending uh, ended where, you know, you've got all these coaching vacancies, you know, more by the day now, more by the week. Um, and then you're going to have coordinator positions open. He would have had other opportunities, a ton of other opportunities. Um, pr- as a head coach, no doubt about it, at, certainly at the G5 level and, and, and frankly, probably at, at – G5 schools in better positions than what we are right now, you know, less of a project, you know, a, a school that, let's say, Billy Napier leaves Louisiana, let's say, you know, um, SMU or, or right, someone like that, like uh, they lose their coach yeah. to, to one of the other Texas openings. There were better jobs that were going to probably open up out there, frankly, that he could have taken. He also could have taken a, a OC position at pretty much anywhere, probably. Yep. Um, and uh, certainly an analyst job, right? He could have went to like reform school. Yeah, like coach reform we saw his, school at pre- Alabama. yeah, at Alabama coach reform school. Like we saw his predecessors and Lane Kiffin um, and, uh, and Sark do. Right. Um, you know, Ed O, of course, you know, went and landed on his feet and won a national championship. So, like, we needed Clay Helton more than Clay Helton needed us. Right. He didn't have to take this. This wasn't like his last ditch effort. Um, you know, he's 46 and 24 at USC. Um, he had he had options, um, but he either, you know, just missed uh, coaching that much that just after six weeks, he was itching for an opportunity. And, um, and, and, and he took it, but I mean, I, I don't think that he's just going to take the first thing that is put on his feet if he didn't believe in it. Right. If he wasn't passionate yeah. about it. Yeah. No, 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 you're absolutely right. And I keep on going back to what both coach Helton and AD Binko have, have said consistently throughout this is that the first phone call was only supposed to be 10 minutes, which to me seems like. Jared just kind of reached out and then it's like, Hey, just, just give me any amount of time that you want just to let me sell you on Georgia Southern. And if you want to, at the end of 10 minutes, tell me no fine, but at least I can sleep at night knowing that I at least shot for the fences um, mm-hmm. or shot for the stars and, and, and gave it my best. And if you turn me down, fine. And, you know, apparently that went from a 10 minute conversation to an hour, hour and a half. And it just kind of grew from there. And I think you can kind of tell that Jared Binko, Coach Helton, obviously Dr. Marrero, they all kind of have a vision as to what this place could be going into the future. They all seem to have shared common goals and shared vision, which is going to be huge. And 
whatever happened in that first 10 minutes, I don't know what exactly was talked about, but something must have clicked there. And now we're, we're here talking about, like, as you said, probably resume wise, probably the greatest coach to ever come down here and, and be the head coach here in Georgia Southern history. Right. I mean, certainly we couldn't have been on his radar if, if on it, we certainly weren't like anywhere close to no, like, the, like, I can't imagine center, him right? like, man, I can't wait to get, I, I can't imagine him seeing, you know, Lunsford let go and him being like, Oh, I can't wait to, I'm going to call him up right, right now. Like I don't right. see a week that. later, yeah. like all oh, the stars align. There it is. Jared Banco probably did. Right. That was, yeah. that was, that was his stance. Like this is my chance. Um, but, but yeah, like you said, until they got on the phone and met, I mean, you know, he might've like, he obviously knew of us, uh, I'm, I'm sure from like his, his coaching days. Well, obviously the I think anybody from but, the Southeast knows right, of us, knew of us, but, but like, I don't think like, yeah, like you said, like a week or two after, um, he was let go, like, Oh, you know, how are the dominoes going to fall? Oh, George, so there it is. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think that was that, but yeah, it gets on the phone with Jared and then the rest is history, you know? And then like that yeah so i mean again could could end up being a disaster could end up being one of the best hires we've ever made hasn't coached a game yet we don't know but i mean every from from where we stand right now all signs are pointing to this this is you know really big yeah and, um, and let me pump the brakes a little bit right here because i want to go ahead and give a shout out to somebody that jerry bingo has already hired that has made a very big impact so far and that is the head coach of the women's soccer team that fell just short of winning the conference championship. Yeah. If you want to kind of see who he's looking, he's looking for coaches that have proven success and that are proven winners. You look at the women's soccer coach, proven softball success, coach. softball coach. Um, I think the women's golf coach. You look Brian Berg. Brian Berg, exactly. I mean, I know people want to kind of feel uh, uneasy about the first year under Brian Berg, but. If you go back and look at everything that he, he went had, five hundred with a bunch of freshmen that he like hodgepodge together. Well, not even freshmen, yeah. but transfers too. Transfers that, first of all, because of COVID, he couldn't meet. Uh, they couldn't practice together. Um, they couldn't, I think, really practice until that month before season started, when they, you know, officially could actually start. Um, they couldn't really have off-season workouts because of all the COVID regulations. I mean, you start looking, I think he was only down to like two players, and I don't even know if they were scholarship players by the time he came in and actually started trying to put a team together. Oh, and then also schedule the basketball season because that's their responsibility and work around all those uh, changes with COVID and who can and who can't and what conferences can do and what conferences can't do. Right. Um, so, I, you know, they really only had about a month to, to really – form any sort of bond as a team and he led them to a 500 record and the way that they played with them playing a team back to back in a weekend you never saw them I don't think get beat twice if they got blown out they usually came yeah. back the next day and beat the team so he formed like an AAU team basically right of, I mean, of Juco, just got, of Juco yeah, and of Juco players um and then he had the Cincinnati transfer that came down last year that I still think is still here um, but yeah, it was like Juco players, D2 players. I mean, anybody that he felt like could be a good fit for his philosophy in basketball, he was like, come on, um, let's go, let's do it. Um, so I think his program should take the next step. Does that mean I think the basketball team wins the conference? No, but should they be really competitive? I think they will be a lot more competitive than what they were last year. I think they should. Yeah, I think men's basketball is going to, and women's basketball women's for that basketball, matter, I think yes. are going to have a women's soccer type rise, right? Yeah. I think they're going to, I think you're going to see them. I mean, basketball was pick what, second to last or something like that. Yep. Men's, um, women's, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I think both of them are going to have uh, better seasons than last year. And I think they're going to make runs in the conference tournament. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with that. But, I also want to say that I love the way that Jared Benko is thinking because it's so different. And I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. It's so different than what we've had here before, which it seems like all the 80s before, except for Bucky, but most of them have been, well, we have this mentality of we can't do this. We can't do that. We can't. It's always a reason as to why not, you know, and that's not to me a true leader. Right, a true leader looks at a situation and says, "Well, how can you I make this? Yeah. How can I make this work? How can I do this? How can I get this done? What are what do I need to do? 
or what is it what processes do I need to set in place in order to achieve the goals that that we need to achieve and not look for reasons Bucky Bucky was the last one to do that I mean honestly like he was the last one to really dream that big before Banco right and and like swing for the fences at the time which was start a football program yeah I can't remember if he was still the AD when when Johnson was here I don't know too much about that but no I you know I it's you're right and you know that's what I've been very positive about him so far. Um, and I think, you know, I'm if he feels like this is the best coach, which every, everything I've seen is, is that it is, I completely am, am 100% behind it. Um, he obviously has plans to, to try to get the indoor practice facility started, I think, by the end of next year um, and make sure that all that is, is good to go with fundraising-wise. So I think things are really going to start rolling here. Well, and if this works out and it works out and, quickly, right, that money's going to pour in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty quick. Like, you're going to see that indoor practice facility. It's going to get walls on it, right, before long. <laughs> if, 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 if this thing works out and it's, it's a home run um, or, you know, Grand Slam, like, like they said uh, on – um, what was it CBS yeah. Sports article? Or, um, and yeah, I mean, if if it truly and it comes around quick, and I'm not saying it's going to, but if but if it does, um, we make a bowl game, we make a run and the, the Sun Belt Championship, um, you're gonna start seeing that money poured in, um, and we're gonna be able to accomplish, you know, check off a lot of these boxes. And yeah, goals. yeah, I think so too. And then and then, poof, sky's the limit there. Um, but no, I I'm 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 very excited. Um. I think this program is is on the upward trajectory, even if these last three games aren't wins, um, so to speak. And all in all, the athletic program or the athletic department is doing great. I think with the women's soccer team getting to the championship game, I think that's the fourth athletic program or maybe fifth if you include women's rifle that has gotten to a championship game. Yeah, tennis. Tennis, uh, baseball, uh, men's golf, women's soccer, and then I think, I, I think the rifle team won or came in second in the SoCon, but they were up there in the top two um, or three when they had their I think it was their spring, um, or their last their last conference tournament. So I think I think everything appears to be on the rise, at least looking at it now. Right. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I, we, we have the most um, well-rounded uh, athletics department than I think we probably ever had, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and that's not by coincidence, right? Um, that, that has pretty much everything to do. I'm not saying that every single one of those hires, right, was um, was Banco, but I mean, I, I think we're, we're definitely in a much better spot and, um, and just the the emphasis all around right of, of all these sports mm-hmm. and how he cheers them on, how he supports them, the things we're kind of doing to align like all the sports and build a buzz around it. Right. It's, it's just a, a different level of energy, right. Um, you know, that, that you didn't really sense before um, with previous ADs um, around not just football, but women's soccer yeah. and women's tennis and, um and and men's soccer and basketball and you know so uh, volleyball yeah. I mean it's and volleyball yeah volleyball is a great yeah that's a that's another good one um and because uh, Willis was not Bengals no hire. Willis was one of the TK's last hires yeah so but I mean obviously that's I mean it's working out good so far um you know so. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, excited about that. Um, and then turning from that, so we sort of touched on this last week, talking about Clay Helton's um, history at USC. Um, you know, breaking down the record, breaking down his accomplishments there, breaking down some of the you know um, shortcomings, right as well. Um, but the more I kind of think about, you know, this higher. Um, and then seeing, you know, uh, US, uh, USC fans um, kind of uh, filter into our, uh, you know, our, our chat rooms and, and Twitter yeah. and Facebook and stuff, right? USC fan X has entered the chat, right? <laughs> um, it uh, we're, we're seeing and they're like, oh, good luck. And, you know, obviously, like, 
I don't want to say he left on bad terms, but I mean, there, there was a contingent of the fan base. And, you know, if you look on social media and you don't really have to dig that deep, um, you can find the people that are like good riddance. And, you know, even on like Coach Elton's uh, like Twitter profile, you know, you don't have to scroll down long, uh, you know, very far and uh, click on some of his previous posts like of, you know, congratulating uh, former players of going to the NFL and they've got – USC fans being like, well, you, you know, they would have been a higher pick if it wasn't for you and you, you know, all this kind of stuff. So like, and obviously just like our fans, um, the ones that are most vocal, um, are usually the negative ones. Um, you know, so it's certainly not a hundred percent of the USC fan base. I don't know what the percentage is, the true percentage is, um, that, you know, was, is happy for him to be gone. But, um, when you kind of look at it, and we touched on it last week with the previous coaches, USC hasn't been truly relevant since Pete Carroll. And, you know, in, in, in the 2000s, um, and obviously there was scandal there, right? Um, and then he left, you know, going to, to the NFL. Um, but, you know, it got uh, hit with all the NCAA uh, violations um, with, the you know, Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart years. They haven't been super relevant. They haven't been that Alabama that – um, the Alabama or Clemson that um, USC fans expect them to be every year um, since the 2000s, but they still wear, you know, they still wear that. <laughs> they still have yeah. that ego. They still have right. Um, and, and they've had good coaches. You know, they've had coaches that have gone on to have a ton of success um, elsewhere and, and Lane Kiffin and Ed O and um, Sark, like I mentioned, um, so who's to say that Clay Helton couldn't be the next one? So you read all these comments on social media and saying like, oh, you know, he should have been fired years ago and they never should have hired him in the first place. And comparisons to like Lunsford of like, oh, they just hired like this assistant that like was a player's coach and didn't work out and he was over his head. And like, you know what? Some of that could be true. He could have been over his head because that's a lot of pressure and, and probably unrealistic expectations at USC. Um, but my point to all this is by looking at USC and what's happened there since the, um, P Carroll era, they just, they haven't had a lot of success. So in my opinion, USC didn't have a Clay Helton problem. USC has a USC problem, right? Yeah, no, you're um, right. And, and it's just like, again, they, they, they want to be that Alabama and yes, they have unlimited resources. They gave coach Helton a lot of those resources, but they did with Lane Kiffin and, um, and Sark as well. And I know Edo wasn't there that long, right? He was the interim and a lot of people said they should have hired him. They didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like they just, open the doors to, to Clay Helton and didn't do that for other guys, <laughs> you know, um, the recruiting didn't dry up that, you know, so like, um, th- that's my point with this is like, say what you will. I feel like USC fans are like never going to be happy. Right. And until they get that next P Carroll, they might not ever. Right. And it might take someone from, you know, their two best coaches that they've had, um, in, in John Robinson and P Carroll are both NFL guys, you know, um, they're both guys that had, success in the NFL. And I, I was listening to Colin Cowherd and, and, uh, um, which, which I like, he's one of my favorite, uh, radio hosts. And, you know, he had a segment shortly after Clay Helton, uh, got let go. And that was a point he made was like USC, you know, they're what either largest media market and or like second in the nation. Right. Um, and <clears throat> a ton of pressure that comes with a job. Um, all the media, all, you know, big donors, right. That wanted to run you out of town. Um, and the first sign of, um, collapse, right. Or, or failure. Um, and the only guys that have truly really had success there are NFL kind of guys. They're not college coaches, right? Yeah. The USC is best when they're run like an NFL team. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I, like I, I, I went and listened to that with Colin Cowherd. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think Clay Helton is a good football coach. Um, and I just, I don't think he was, uh, you know, you could say he was over his head or not. I don't think he was a good fit at USC because a lot of people aren't good fit, a <laughs> good fit at, at USC. Ed O wasn't, Lane Kiffin wasn't, Steve Sarkeesian wasn't. And you could, really, you could wasn't. really argue that he 
kind of was a good fit in in terms of the win loss record. I mean, if you have a sixty five, he, he has a better yeah better win loss record than Lane Giffen. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's even hard to say that he wasn't a good fit. Um, but obviously, <laughs> what happens at USC has to stay at USC, right? Um, and that doesn't concern us here at Georgia Southern. We have our own things that we have to take care of here, right? Like we need to improve facilities. We need to um, get a better understanding on how to recruit better. Uh, where it always seems, it already seems like they have a plan for that in place here, right? Um, from the interviews, but no, I think you're exactly right. USC is its own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. It's not so much the coaching staff or the coach or whoever comes in there to to try to win there. As you just mentioned, they've had several good coaches come in there and still have all not lived up to expectations or what USC expectations are. Um, So it's almost the way that um, Alabama was after Bear Bryant um, left, right? They they went through how many coaches and only had, what, one national championship um, and went through coaches like crazy. And it wasn't until they finally got Nick Saban and he pretty much told them this is everything that's been you're doing wrong and this is what it needs to be done to fix it. Um, and he came in and he, obviously the rest is history. Uh, well, and I think Clay Helton is better for it yeah, too, no, right? I right. mean, I like, I, I think like if people point to that and be like, Oh, well he ultimately was a failure there. I mean, again, he wasn't three division a, no, titles, not rolls, rolls, bowl championship, pac 12 championship. Um, and then the 46 and the 25 record, right? So, um, it's, uh, or forty six and twenty four, so um, gave him one more loss. But uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, but 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 you listen to some of this noise on social media, and they're like, oh, you know, it, he just he never was right because their expectation is national championship or bust, and in their eyes, he was never going to get them there, and they could have been right. He might not have ever got them there. Um, but you know, again, all those other close. guys we named, he got them pretty close and all those other guys, yeah, finished the, the year they won the Pac-12 championship, finished third, um, in the final polls. But, um, you know, none of those other guys got him close either. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, again, I, I just say all that because like, you gotta be excited about the hire. Yeah. Um, and look at who know. he's going up against in the Pac-12, right? It's not like he's going up against terrible coaches. He's going up against Mario Cristobal, going up against Chip Kelly, Going up against Herm Edwards, um, going up against the uh, coach at Stanford, who was really, really good. Yeah. Um, Washington is in that conference, right? And they had Chris Peterson there for so many years, and now they have the another. Uh, oh my heavens, their coach now is in the news because he slapped a player, but I can't think of his name now. Um, but anyways, they've all the conference is full of of really, really good and great talented coaches. Well, Mike Mike Leach, right? For a yeah, while, Mike before Leach, he, right? Yep. At yeah. Washington State. Early on, right. Um, yep. So, you know, it's not like when he takes, you know, a loss against a Pac-12 coach, it's like against some bum or somebody that right. you've never it's, heard he's of. He's not coaching against the Mac. No, <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. And, uh, Abby, he's going up. The the coaching talent that he's going up against week in and week out is, is really, really good out in the pet former NFL coaches really good you know power five coaches like yeah yeah so again top recruiters um and then, know, and then and then you go he gets knocked for that yeah, and then but, you go into a bowl game right and the Rose Bowl was against James Franklin in Penn State well yep. you know how good that is the other I think what Fiesta or Rose Bowl lost that he had was against Ohio State when Urban Meyer was there so it's not yeah. like he's going up against these bum coaches who don't know what they're doing. He's going up against the best, the best. And yeah, when you do that, you're going to lose some, that's just the nature of it. Um, mm. but he also won a lot. So I don't yeah, know. So that was the, the cotton, the cotton bowl was in 2017 okay. that, he that he lost, lost to, to, to Ohio okay. state. But yeah. yeah, but the point's the same. Um, yeah. so again, I, I, you know, I think, I think you put it great. USC is a USC problem. It had, to me, nothing really to do with with Coach Helton. It's that's their they're their own worst enemy. I think here, with everything that has been coming out of the press conferences and the interviews, it sounds like Coach Helton, Jerry Binko, Doctor Marrero, all have a solid vision in place, 
and they seem to be all going in the same direction. And I think as long as everything goes according to plan, the next few years here should be really, really fun to watch. Yep, for sure. So um, on that front, I guess we can kind of tie in. I mean, obviously, the the next biggest thing is to watch the staff get built out, right? That's the next big talking point. Um, Don't really have any... Word, not really any real new rumors either um, since last. I don't even know if I want to even like believe any rumors. You know, the the only big one really was the OC, um, but that seems to have been walked back. Western Kentucky, yeah, but that seems to be kind of walked back a little bit. So I don't know if that was something that was actually true or something that was just kind of thrown out there and now maybe not be the case. So, but at the same time, that is coming from his brother team up there at Western Kentucky, so I don't know if he's really going to poach anybody from his brother's team as well. Right. He's got his dad up there at Western yeah. Kentucky too. Right, as an <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, and, and the, the important thing to point out here too with the timing of the hire is that, you know, you're going to have, I mean, just since Coach Helton was announced as our coach last week, we've seen several um, – firings in college football both head coaches right the UMass coach um and then uh uh I guess Gary Patterson might have been right before right at TCU mm-hmm. uh, but then obviously we've seen a lot of assistance we've seen you know the gauntlet today when we record this on, on Monday of of uh Nebraska right yep. of, of their offensive coordinator offensive line coach quarterback coach um and then Florida yeah like let's go there um Offensive line coach, I believe, and uh, their um, Todd uh, Grantham, yep. right? They're they're DC. Um, <clears throat> so there's going to be a ton of talented guys that, yes, they lost their job either like for the head coach to kind of save theirs, right? Um, really, in the the two situations we just said <laughs> with with Dan Mullen and, and Scott Frost um, at at Florida and, and Nebraska, but um, or or just you know uh, whole staffs get let go, um, and and you can kind of poach, you know, good. Um, quality coaches from those, right? So, like, it's it's just a, we're in a really good position to to build that staff because we got a leg up when these things are happening. Where other teams that have their whole coaching staff intact and maybe they're going to end up needing a coaching change because their coach leaves, right? And then eleventh uh, hour they have to scramble. We're not in that position, so we can kind of sit like in our ivory tower almost, right? Yeah. And 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 look at the lay of the land and be like, okay, well this. This guy just got let go. Let's get him. Let's see, you know, and just start piecing things together. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really exciting. You had John Grass, right? John Grass, accomplished FCS coach at Jacksonville State. Um, their former offensive coordinator has been there forever. He uh, played at Jacksonville State, right? Um, been there for like 25 years. Um, made them a notable program. Um, beat Florida State this year. He just got let go, right? Now uh, that they, they said that it was, you know, mutual, right? But we know how that. Goes goes um obviously they're moving they're one of the four teams that are or not four teams that are moving up but <clears throat> four teams that are joining um the uh conference usa right uh, and then their scramble to kind of stay relevant and stay alive um so yeah i mean you know with them moving to fbs they made that decision He's a quality guy we could possibly look at, you know, in John Grass um, or the, as, as OC yeah. or as an analyst or, you know, it's just, I mean, we're just throwing names out there, but I mean, that that's a guy that some people were mentioning as a possible head coaching candidate, <laughs> right, yeah, for us. Yeah. Um, it, it, because no one had Clay Helton on our radar, not because the reasons that Clay Helton didn't have us on his, but because no one thought it was realistic <laughs> to, to, to bring him in, so. No, you're right. And even the uh, head coach at UMass um, is one that you could look at as maybe for an offensive job here or analyst, as you said, too. Um, but no, I think you're right that with Vinko go ahead and making this higher, getting it set in stone, I feel like we have a leg up, not just in recruiting now, but also in terms of building the staff out. You know, you never know what domino may fall where. And if something happens over here, he may pick up the phone and the guy may come say, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Um, and obviously, Coach Helton has a broad, broad umbrella of, of ties throughout the college football landscape. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm anxious. 
to see how the staff builds out. Um, I think once when we see this staff build out, you'll really see excitement or you'll really start to see some concern. But either way, at least we'll have a, a better understanding of what we should expect going into 2022. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see one of the the best built, most accomplished, most experienced FBS staffs that we've ever had, right? Because, I mean, before you had Fritz, right? I mean, our, our best FBS coach, I, I think, is was Willie Fritz. And, I mean, he brought his entire FCS staff, right, from uh, from Sam Houston. Well, not all and then, of it, because we had Dale McKee. And we, I think we, that's we true. stole that's him true. from we have Del- uh, the yeah. high school ranks here from the high school, but yeah, uh, but I mean, and yes, he was successful, of course, but my, my point is, I think you're going to get a bunch of, you know, it could, yeah, it could be a hodgepodge, you know, from, from, uh, coach Helton's network that he's worked with over the years or friends of friends, you know, and then the coaching circles and whatnot. But, uh, you know, we've, we've had people complain. I think they're right that like from maybe not from the head coach necessarily, but certainly going down coordinators. And when you get to assistance, like these aren't, FBS staffs always, right? I mean, they, these are guys that just were, you know, picked from FCS or high school ranks. I think you're going to see the caliber really raised um, with this. Now, that doesn't mean that they're it's going to work out, um, but but I, I I think resume wise, I think we're gonna. I think there's a reason that was the other thing, right? That contract um, with with Helton, we know it's uh, we knew it was four years um or five years four uh, four million so it comes out to 800 a year um we had said that on the on the last episode um but we didn't know the breakdown i don't think yet so no, you know it, it it builds each year so it, it starts out at uh 700 with an incentive so not much more than what um coach lonsford was making um and then we found out the buyout right um and on both ends if if he leaves and um, if, uh, if we fire them. Right. And then, um, we, uh, where was I going with that? So the only um, thing we don't know about the money situation is the amount for the assistant pool. That's what I was going to say. So, I mean, knowing that we had, you know, we get them at that amount. And again, going back to my point of like, he, after just six weeks was like, yep, yeah, let's do that. That might be my first opportunity. Certainly wouldn't have been his last, let's take Georgia Southern. I would have loved, you know, I would love to know more of those negotiations of, you know, was did Banco talk him down? Um, or was, was clay like, look, you know, I'm, I'm fine given, you know, I'm, I'm fine taking 800 a year, you know, seven, 800 a year, if I can spend the rest on a quality coaching staff, you know, and I think that's exactly what we're going to well, see. I think, I think so there's a kind reason of based yeah. on, because it's not just staff. I mean, I think they want to increase the number of analysts that they can bring in. Um, yep. And they want to strengthen conditioning, strength and, conditioning and, and, and recruiting as well. So I think this is going to be something that's going to get built out over the next year or two that, you know, we're going to see a huge increase in recruiting analysts and offensive defensive analyst and strength and conditioning and nutrition and the list goes on and on and on and it's exciting like i said they saw what billy napier did down there in louisiana they say okay that should be here we're going to probably take that model and make it better and i think we have the head coach that obviously came from a big time power five out in usc who had all the amenities who had unlimited resources as you said and as anybody knows about and we're gonna drop it here in statesboro and we're gonna try to take it as much to the next level as we can and then hopefully when that breeds success more money will come in and then we can just build on top of it and keep on taking this thing further right yeah no i um yeah no i i I completely agree and um and yeah, I mean, I think if you look at uh, at the numbers that he is bringing in as far as uh, salary, I was trying to find it here, and of course I'm not. Um, but uh, you know, it like I said, it, it builds on each other each year. But from the buyout standpoint, and obviously the 10 million he's getting from USC helps with that. Um, you know, I think we're unless 
like I was kind of doing the math on it and unless things just get really bad, <laughs> you know, really early on, um, we're in really good shape, um, you know, yeah. where to, uh, as far as like buyouts, like if, if he, if he goes and has success, you know, I know people were saying like, Oh, this is just a, um, a leaping pad, right. For him. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a springboard to, to another P five opportunity. And it might be right. I mean, do, are we going to have him for ten years if he's successful? Probably not. Um, but it, but if he has immediate success um, in year one or year two, and he's gone, um, we recoup a lot of money. Yeah, um, and, and, and and the buyout. So, um, I, I you know I think that's something that we also haven't seen um, consistently with previous ads, right? That we have under under Banco. So. Um, yeah, excited about that. And then, yeah, I finally found it. So 700 first year, year two is 750, then 800, year three, 850, year four and 900, year five. Um, so with his incentives by year five, you know, he's probably making over a million, um, if he's still, uh, successful, but, uh, with the buyout, um, he, it uh it lessens you know each year so it's 50 percent of the remaining total um if he leaves on or before december 31st 2023 right so that would be two full seasons yeah. with us right 2022 and 2023 so let's say he comes in he does unthinkable he turns us around sunbelt championship first year right we go in we're ranked in 2023 um Sunbelt Championship again, right? Sniffing it's a New Year's Six Bowl, all this. Forget about this. They can always go back after each year and renegotiate the contract. They can. To, to bump can. up the the buyout, especially if we're yeah, having but success. It, yeah. But if for some reason we don't, let's say he has kind of more moderate success where it, like, it moves a needle but not a ton, year one, year two, gets us there, wins the Sunbelt Championship, and then another t- we we don't renew for whatever reason, negotiations fall through, insert P5 team here, they come calling, all right, Clay, we want you, um, 50% of the remaining, right? So, I mean, you're, you're talking over a million dollars, right, that we're, that we're getting um, out of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, it, that's and obviously we can reinvest that into the the next and at that point we have success and continue to yep. build on it. So, um, from that, let's uh, I guess let's let's get into the football side, right? Again, not a ton to talk about with that twenty eight to eight loss um, to Coastal Carolina. Obviously, the biggest storyline is quarterback play. Um, you know, we have four turnovers in the game um, uh, with Coastal only having one. You know, it was. Uh, all knotted up at zero after one quarter and then just kind of falls apart there in the second quarter. Um, 21 in unanswered points, um, off of turnovers, off of the block punt, right? And uh, and then, you know, people, not just in this game, but certainly for, for the last couple games, it's for some uh, yeah. since the beginning of the season, um, had been calling for a change at QB one um, of getting Tomlin out there, uh, out of there and getting Cameron some more playing time. Um, we finally heard from coach Whitley uh, this week at the press conference that, um, that we're finally going to see that at, at Texas state. He didn't name Cam Ransom, the, the starter, but he basically said he's the starter, <laughs> you know, and, and, unless it's just a terrible week. I forget what it was, but it was like, we haven't officially named it, but as of right now, yeah. there's no other reason as to why we would not name him right. the start. All right. Unless he has a terrible week of practice, unless, you know, God forbid, an injury or something occurs, um, then yes, he's going to start Texas State. He's certainly going to see a lot more playing time um, at a minimum, right, yeah. uh, uh, against Texas State. And, um, and yeah, as, as he should. You know, I, I think I think by all accounts, he's most people feel like he's the future. You know, certainly moving into a new offensive, more pass-heavy system under Coach Helton. Um, we need to see what he can do. We've already burned his red shirt. Um, let's get him some playing time. No, no, and, and that's, you know, what needs to happen. And you kind of saw the instant, I don't want to say like offense success, but they definitely picked up their play. And he looked very comfortable out there and very, you know, I'm a, I can take it and I'm going to sling it around the football field and I can, I can be the leader that, that 
that we need right now and in, for the future. Um, a very, I was just very impressed when he came into the game in that fourth quarter because there was obviously it was 28 nothing. It was a just a ugly weather night, just rainy, cold. It was just a gross, gross night. And, I mean, it, he might as well felt like he was playing in Florida with 70-degree weather because he just came out there like it was no big deal and just started throwing the ball around and, and playing really, really well. Um, and I like that out of him. He's a young freshman. Um, he was very competitive, even though the score was what it was. Um, he came down there, led us to the touchdown, and did the two-point conversion. And you're like, well, look at that. You know, if we get a lucky bounce, turn over here or there, we may just put ourselves back into this one. Didn't happen, obviously. But you looked at it and was like, wow, this this is <laughs> this kid is is something special. And well, poised, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, like you're very, very, very poised, confident, and, um, confident for a freshman. Yes, for a true freshman. Now, obviously, there are some things that need to be cleaned up or things that has to be worked on pocket pressure pocket awareness is one of them even though at times he looks really really good with that there are other times in which you know you saw it he got sacked a couple of times uh stayed in there too long didn't get out or didn't hit his check off quick enough that will obviously get better in time right that will get better as he gets more experience um look for teams to throw blitzes and in, in pressure at him if he is the starter for the remaining three games the rest of the year uh, Coastal did that. You kind of saw where it kind of threw off, not just him, but really the offensive line. To be honest with you, because they got to pick that up just you know more than he does. And uh, again, as he continues to play, as he continues to see these looks, he will get better. He will recognize it. I'm sure that he has been working on with film, and the more film that he gets, the better that he can prepare. The better he's prepared with his experience. It should all kind of work together. Um, like I said, next three games hopefully should be a lot more fun to watch with him as quarterback. Um, I thought his uh connection with Burgess throughout that drive and really throughout the end of that game was was really really good. Um, freshman to freshman, um, it looked like Jalen White was out there as a running back, so that looked. I mean, just that core of young guys: Jalen White, Cam Ransom, Burgess at receiver. I mean, that's a young core all sophomore or redshirt freshman and, and freshman, true freshman. I mean, that's a really good core for Coach Elton to work and piece his offense around going into the next two or three years. Yeah, again, to see like Amari Jones of the slot get more involved, right, at two catches for 45 yards. Yeah. Um, you know, I you know I know he's a senior, but um, so I don't know like COVID year or whatnot if he has eligibility left um, for next year. But, um, you know, certainly – uh, yeah, I mean, it, not just evaluation of quarterback, but when you have a more competent passer in there, right? I mean, and, and, and Whitley said this, right? If you've got a guy that is more comfortable throwing the ball down the field, more accurate, obviously, throwing the ball down the field, more confident doing it, um, he that that also showcases your receivers yeah. right and and so so to coach helton evaluating the team not just quarterback play but everything pass blocking um receiver play running back play when we actually have a, a pass game mm-hmm. right yeah. of um and then and then slots and doing screen passes and things like that tight ends right so it is it's not just evaluating your future at the quarterback position it's it's your future of, of all the positions on offense um under a more pass heavy system um so and 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 yeah and then kind of seeing where we're yeah where we have some some shining stars there with Burgess and, and and Caleb Hood and um and then also where we might need you know some help you know maybe on the offensive line um to bring in through transfer portal and things like that so um it's uh it's yeah I mean I I, I think it's a no brainer um probably should have happened before you know uh, this week but um at least we'll have three you know we'll have this game um maybe not all three but uh by most people feel like we might we should have you know the final three games of the season where we get to see more cam um and then maybe more of a of a passing offense yeah and you know it's again when you're at this point of your season and it's a down season you look for anything to be excited about this gets me excited to see 
what he can do with these final three games. Um, you know, and two of them are going to be really, really tiff, difficult and tough tough places to or tough teams to play. You got BYU and you got App State at the end of the year. Um, Texas State, we've never really played well in San Marcos. Um, you know, so that's always a difficult road game. And, uh, you know, it, we'll see what happens on Saturday. But, I don't know, I'm excited to see what he can do. Because, I mean, and let's, yeah. let's honestly, let's go back to the FAU game. If he doesn't go down with the ankle injury in the FAU game, I think that game's a lot different. And quite possibly yeah, the agree. season's a lot different, to be to be 100% honest with you. Because um, if we could, I mean, if, if he stays in, we maybe pull that game out. Yeah, um, I think so. You know, and then that's I think Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I, I, I don't mean, think Coach Elton's here. <laughs> right, you know, um, but yeah. hey, but I mean, in all seriousness, though, his abilities is is, I mean, is are, are a lot. He has a a lot of potential. Um. And I, I want to, I, I just want to see it show. I just want to see how he does, because I think probably more potential at the quarterback position than we've seen, certainly in the FBS era, but in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, right, just from from build, from the measurables, um, but also arm strength, um, accuracy, still, you know, mobility. Um, he he's got all the tools. He does. Um, and and under under a guy like Coach Helton, who have who has developed quarterback after quarterback his entire uh, you know career um that's exciting you know to, to have a guy like that that hopefully can bring cam under his wing and um and coach him up and um yeah and and, and just work on some of those things so um and and create quarterback battles i mean obviously through transfer portal and then through recruiting i mean we'll, we'll build out the the quarterback room there, um, you know, to, to challenge Cam. But, I mean, if he can prove himself in these next three games, I think he's got a solid chance to be the front runner, you know, um, going into next year. No, you're right. You're right. Um, this, You know, this is his opportunity. Um, so, like I said, it's exciting. Because I think when you think of a freshman being in there, the, the one thing that you are really concerned about is confidence. Um and that doesn't seem to be an issue at all. I mean, he looks like mm-hmm. he belongs on the football field. Um, doesn't look like he's scared. Doesn't look like he panics. He's not scared. It's not happy. Feet. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're gonna. There's there's is such thing as overconfidence, right, or cockiness, right. So I mean, but it's not that. You, you gotta. No, it's it's not that either. But it's it's it, he's gonna make mistakes, right? He's gonna hold on the ball too long, and they, so he's gonna have those learning. Um, that learning curve, you know, and then he's going to have to, but that's the only way you learn yeah. is to play, um, you know, and, and, and live action. So, um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, he, he sees ton of, a uh, ton of that in the final three games and, um, and yeah, that, that'd be certainly a bright spot to end the season, even if it ends in losses, you know, more losses. Um, it gives us something to kind of look forward to for the rest of the season and then moving on into next year. So, um, yeah. So with that, Cody, I mean, I, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, you know, anything to kind of wrap up here? No, no, not really. Um, I think we're all just kind of on on assistant coach watch um, and recruiting watch, and just kind of see how things play out. Um, but no, I don't think there's really much. I mean, I don't think there's really anything to add. Not as far as like season wise or game wise or anything like that. You know, I think we know what we are obviously at this point. And, you know, hopefully this will be a time for some young young men to, to shine in these last three games and in 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 the season on a positive note. Right. Let's go out here. This is, you know, a game I think we can win. Let's go out here and win it. Yeah. Um, and then we'll worry about BYU and BYU gets to town and we'll worry about app and we have to go up there to that cold, barren <laughs> dust land. Um, that is Boone, North Carolina. But. No, I think this is a this this is a winnable game, and we need to approach it that way. And they need to go out there and try to try to take advantage of of this opportunity that they have because again, the end of the season is going to be very very tough. Yep, yep, it will. 
but uh but yeah let's let's see how it goes you know and and, and can we trust and you know on our way to the highway to helton right <laughs> and, uh, and um and yeah we'll pick it up next week cody so as always hail, hail southern, southern. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gottatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gotta Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gattatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, Gotta and Hail Southern. Thank <laughs> you.